0: If you would turn in the Bible to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Last week we looked at Psalm 103 and did a focus on the soul, the inside of us, and loving God from the inside out. Today's sermon is not a part two necessarily to that, but I think it's a good follow up. Luke chapter 10. I want to begin today with a story that has happened to me and quite honestly, I think it's happened to me more than once. She sent me to get milk or perhaps years ago, which seemed like it happened all the time, she sent me to get diapers and I go willingly, gladly to the store and I would often run to Walmart. Now that we, COVID has happened, our Walmart is no longer 24 hours. So those late night runs can't happen. But I would go to Walmart and right when you walk in, there's a fresh hot deli. And then right past that are fresh flowers. And then I get distracted by something else. And what has happened to me several times is I've made it all the way back home with a handful of groceries and did not get the very thing that she sent me to get. I come in like this and she says, Where, Where's the milk? Or where's the bread? Or where's the eggs? And I feel, Oh my goodness, how did that happen? I must admit or confess that that's happened multiple times. And while this is laughable in regards to something like forgetting a gallon of milk or whatever household item, it is an incredible life lesson when you apply it to knowing Jesus. Jesus is truly the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The eternal Son of God and the Savior of the world. We may get a lot of things right in life. And we may do a lot of things well in this life. We are a gifted people with a lot of skills and blessings. But if we get all of those things and do all of those things and even do many things well... And yet we forget the one most important thing. We have failed. Our passage today at the end of Luke 10 is a simple one, but it will help us understand this point. Read with me, if you will, from Luke 10, beginning in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. It's a simple passage, isn't it? You may be familiar with it, but Luke is the only gospel author to tell us this story. You don't find this story in Matthew, you don't find it in Mark, and you don't find it in John. Only Luke tells us this, and it's a few verses. But you and I already know a good bit about this family because of John's Gospel, because of chapter 11 from John's Gospel, because of the passage that Matt read just a little excerpt from earlier. Mary and Martha, the two main characters in our passage today from Luke 10, also have a brother named Lazarus, and I'm sure that you've heard of Lazarus, right? He's the one that died. And Jesus took his time, left him dead in the tomb, and then Jesus raised him from the grave. Jesus raised him from the dead and raised him out of the grave, and we get that in John chapter 11. If you read John chapter 11, which is a long chapter with many verses, you learn a lot about this family. The village mentioned in Luke 10, 38 is called Bethany in John chapter 11. There are a lot of details there that we can learn that Luke doesn't tell us. From that passage, we see that all three of those siblings love Jesus, and all three of those siblings are loved by Jesus. And so when we come to the passage in Luke, we're not to be thinking, okay, Martha's an unbeliever, and she's really worked up, and Mary's a believer, and she's really lazy. We're not to try to come up with those categories. We are to know that Jesus knew this family, loved this family, and this is a passage that is to help us. Again, those three loved Jesus, and Jesus loved those three. We get all that from the long chapter 11 in John. But this morning, we're going to look at chapter 10 of Luke, even though there isn't as much detail here. Nonetheless, this is the word of God, and God will use it today to strengthen your life and your faith. I have three points this morning to walk us through Luke 10, 38 to 42. Number one comes straight from the passage, distracted with much serving. Did you catch that? As they enter the village, in verse 38, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So the setting there is Jesus comes to town, Martha invites him into their home, her sister's there, we don't know if she lived there with her or not, but her sister's there, there's a lot going on, and she wants to be a good host. That's good. She gets busy trying to prepare things and make her home uh, hospitable to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so while Martha is doing all the things that good hospitality requires at times, Mary is doing nothing. Jesus is there talking and Mary is there soaking it up. An interesting setting, right? One that you and I can totally relate to, hopefully with each of them. But that's our setting. But then Luke tells us in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. What an interesting statement. Leadership would take this, leadership lessons, which are good for us, would take this and run with it, right? And say, you can't let a good thing get in the way of a great thing right, and that's a good principle that you get from this. That's not our message today. The issue here is not the serving. The issue here is not all that she's doing. The things she's doing are great. Hospitality is a good thing. The issue here is that Martha is neglecting the most important thing, the one thing necessary, the good portion as this passage later describes. She is neglecting Jesus and learning from him. There is the problem in our passage. The passage is not about serving. It's about neglecting Jesus and his truth and learning from him. The passage is not about work ethic and laziness like if you're looking at Mary. It's a passage about the importance of looking to Jesus and learning from Jesus. Martha is doing good things. She's doing honorable things. She is serving the Lord. She's not just serving random guests. She is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. If you got a call that somebody very important and significant was stopping by your house tonight, you too would get busy working to straighten up. I know that you would. The issue is not that, and you should you should get out the vacuum and you should light a candle and you should clear the counter off, right? You should do those things. The issue is not that those things are bad. The issue is that over and above learning from Jesus in that moment, she was caught up in those things so to neglect that. Church, this morning we need to hear a simple reminder that you and I allow things to distract us from Jesus. Jesus. You and I allow us to get caught up in work, and schedules, and meetings, and family time, and ball games, and practices, and running here, and running there, and whatever else that we are into. And the result is not that those things are bad. The result is that the most important thing of looking to Jesus, learning from Jesus receiving life and truth and guidance and direction by faith from Jesus is now you are distracted from it. This is what has happened to Martha. J.C. Ryle commenting on this passage says, Her excessive zeal, which is a good thing, for temporal provisions made her forget for a time the things of her soul. Isn't that very real? Our zeal for temporal provisions will temporarily cause us to forget caring for our soul. Working hard, providing, contributing, doing the things that we must do can sometimes consume us so much to the point that we are distracted away from guarding our soul. You remember the passage last week from Mark What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? What does it profit Martha if her house is spotless and tidy and smells good and Jesus has fresh drink and a clean place to sit and he's impressed by how nice it is and yet her soul would be neglected? What good would that be? The main thing of life it's for the Savior of the world, Jesus, to be the one that instructs you, teaches you, informs you that the word of God would be the instruction for your life and that while there are many things that you must learn to balance, nothing gets in the way of that. Daryl Bach writes, the, di- the, the disciples should never be too busy to sit at Jesus' feet. The worries of life should never prevent one from consuming God's word. Those are simple sentences, but let me read it again. The disciples should never be too busy to sit at Jesus' feet. The worries of life should never prevent one from consuming God's word. Church, we get guilty of this. I get guilty of this. And my job allows me to sit and read the word of God. My job allows me to focus on what Jesus is saying. And I too am guilty of this. Ryle goes on to write, The fault of Martha should be a perpetual warning to all Christians. If we desire to grow in grace and to enjoy that our souls are prospering, we must beware of the cares of this world. Except we watch and pray, they will insensibly eat up our spirituality and bring leanness on our souls. Listen to this. It is not open sin or flagrant breaches of God's commandments alone which lead men to hell, to eternal ruin. It is far more frequently an excessive attention to things in themselves lawful and that we are being distracted with much serving that our lives could be done in a good way that others would only speak well of us he is a good man and a good dad and he's involved and he wouldn't hurt a soul and he'll do anything for anybody and we will do all things well to the neglect of focusing on jesus In our culture, we are often like Martha. We take pride in our strong work ethic. We even sometimes take pride in how busy we are. And we will often admit or show that we don't have time for devotion to God. We often talk about time and more time. Yet there is something in our lives that is helping us recognize time. My phone which I love and hate, pops up once a week and tells me how many minutes I've been on this thing. Do y'all's phones do that? Is that normal? Can you set when it does that? Mine does it on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. I don't want it to be Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. That's like the worst time that I need that coming at me, okay? As I'm sitting down praying and thinking about doing this, this thing pops up and says... You have been on this phone four hours and 32 minutes this week. That's a lot, right? That's a lot of time. And yet we will say that we've got not enough time to look to Jesus and focus on him. It's been several years now, but with the rise of social media, John Piper has said, One of the great uses of Facebook will be to prove on the last day, judgment day, that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. If your phone tells you, you were on social media for four hours this week, you will not be able to say to God that you did not have time to look to him. We were distracted with much serving. Martha does this. Church, may we admit this morning in our humility, that we too get distracted. May we see this morning with comparison of John 11 that that Martha, this is kind of her personality. The passage in John 11 kind of shows the same thing. Did y'all pick up on that? Here, Martha's going crazy, getting the house ready, and Mary's sitting down doing nothing, learning to Jesus. In John 11, it's Martha that runs to uh, Jesus, and it says Mary's still just sitting there with her dead brother martha is the same way in both passages totally different stories there's a lot of commentaries that are writing about we should be encouraged to see how different christians can be martha and mary are very different church we need to admit when we are distracted and we need to very humbly confess i have not prioritized as i should looking to jesus If you weren't here last week, I want to ask you, if you would, to find time this week to use the internet, use your phone, and listen to last week's sermon, Psalm 103, and reflecting upon the soul. In the next seven days, which is 168 hours, would you have 30 to 40 minutes to listen to that sermon if you haven't? Little things like that will show that you have time. And little things like that will also help you from being distracted. Sometimes the Bible tells us, hey, what you're doing is wrong, stop it. Sometimes the Bible pronounces judgment upon us like that is evil, cut it off. That is wrong, stop doing it. That is against God, you need to repent. The Bible thankfully tells us when things are like that. But The Bible also addresses the believer, the the Marthas of the world. are just busy and often distracted people like us that say I wish I had more time I would pray more with my family I would sit and talk more with them when is the last time you asked the people in your home about their soul about their soul and we've got so much going on that we can't get around to that May the passage today with Martha r- remind us that we can be distracted with much serving. Hey, it is a blessing to serve. Our church serves. Our church works hard. This is a hard point to make to a church like this. You guys are hardworking. We do a lot of things. Could it be that even our church body does so much? That we're not focusing on Jesus the way we should? Could it be that the people around us and the needs that are met and the food that's distributed and the children that are cared for and the schools that are served are being served and yet our souls are being neglected because we are distracted by doing so much? May it never be the case. May we not be distracted by much serving. The passage from here gets even more intense. Number one, we are distracted with much serving, but number two, we are definitely undeserving. Number two, definitely undeserving. Out of this setting, we get Martha speaking. Look at verse 40. Out of this setting, that was the first two and a half verses, we get Martha speaking. Verse 40, the second half, she went up to him. This is her initiative. She starts the conversation. He doesn't say, hey, Martha, what are you doing in there? You gonna ever come in here and sit with us? He doesn't say anything like that. She goes up to him. This is Martha's passion and desire right now. And she says to Jesus, the Lord of Lords, who will very shortly die on the cross for Martha's sins. He will take the judgment of God and the punishment of God in her place. She goes up to him and she says, Lord. You see, she knows he's Lord. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. This passage makes me cringe a little bit. She's saying to Jesus, her Lord, do you not care? Tell her to do this. I'm going to tell you what to do. I don't know if we would call this prayer. She is talking to God, and we often say prayer is talking to God. I don't know if we would call this prayer because it's there, it's New Testament lived out, I don't know. But for us, it seems like prayer. We have Martha telling Jesus what to do for Martha's sake. It just feels wrong reading this. She shouldn't be talking to God this way. J.C. Ryle says, in so saying, this holy woman sadly forgot what she was and to whom she was speaking. Have you ever done that before? Do you have a memory of talking to your dad in a way that you should not have talked to your dad? I remember one time my dad was in the garage fixing the mower and I came out all kind of trying to look my best and a friend was gonna pick me up in high school and we were going to the mall. My dad asked if I would come over there and hold something for him as he tried to work on this and I objected. Sorry, I can't, I got on good clothes and good shoes, I, I can't get dirty, I'm about to go to the mall. He blew up on me in that moment. It was not good, not a good memory, he was mad. In hindsight, and even that day in hindsight, by the way, I did go over and do it. I did go over and help him. Or I probably would not even be here with you all today. In hindsight, I have thought often about a hardworking dad asking his not hardworking son to help for just a second and me objecting. It's kind of forgetting the order here. Things are out of perspective, Martha, in her hospitality and distracted serving, has forgotten the roles. She's forgotten who's God and who's not. She is totally, definitely undeserving to speak to God in that way. And while I can say how wrong she was, all week long, all I could think about is how often I pray like that. God, please. You know, a great discussion is, do you ever need to say please in your prayers? Have y'all ever thought about that? Should prayers ever accompany please? So often when I pray, I'm saying please like a hundred times. Like, God, I so much want you to do this. I don't even know if I should. But the amount of times that I'm like saying please are often showing me that I'm really just wanting this for me more than I'm wanting this for whatever God wants, My prayers can become so selfish and so self-centered. My life can become so selfish and self-centered. And I need to be reminded that I am definitely undeserving like Martha is. Had Martha forgotten that she is just dust and that she had come from dust and that coming from dust we will return to dust, the Bible teaches that. Had Martha forgotten what Isaiah 40 teaches us about all flesh being like grass? It says, all flesh is like grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Martha, in this moment, Martha knows that. But in this moment, she's not thinking about that. She is so distracted by serving that her thoughts are becoming more and more self-centered. We all get that way. The other day, I was doing dishes and doing some stuff in the house. No, 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 that's not right. The other day, we were all trying to go on a bike ride, 12 of us, at a park that we couldn't get to, so we had to drive there. So I'm taking all these bikes, our bikes, borrowed bikes, every bike we could possibly find around Fairdale, and I'm pumping up the tires, making sure they all work, and loading them up on the truck. And my kids weren't coming to help me. So I just sent a little text in the family group text that said, I guess I'll load up all 12 of these by myself. That's all it said. And soon after that, here they came, right, out to help. But I get like that and Martha gets like that and we all get like that. Well, if you're a dad to your kids, maybe it's right to get like that. But if you're to God and you start saying, hey, do you not care, Jesus, of what I'm doing? I'm over here pouring drinks and shuffling plates and straightening up so I can come and serve you as a guest in my house. Would you not tell her to do something? She's she's ignoring me. And we talk to Jesus like that sometimes or we talk to God like that sometimes and we forget how undeserving we are. J.C. Ryle points out at like the peak of this story, he says, alas, how great a matter a little fire can kindle. The beginning of all of this, her kind of exasperated talking to Jesus, the beginning of all of this was a little over anxiety about the innocent household affairs, right? She's like dusting off a place where they might sit. She's straightening the couch cushions because Jesus is about to walk in. And that stress and anxiety from that has now got her speaking with confidence wrongly to Jesus. Y'all, life is like that for us. Yesterday, I pulled through McDonald's to get my daughters an ice cream. And I don't know how to use the McDonald's app too good yet. But I know that McDonald's has a really good app. And they give away free stuff every day if you know how to use it. And so at the drive-thru, I'm like this. I'm kind of new to your app. And I see you got the deal here. And I want to be able to get it. But make sure I'm spending enough. And while I do that, a truck in the drive-thru zips around me, honks his horn, says a lot of words that I shouldn't say, and says, You dumb. Go inside if you don't know how to use it. He yelled that to me in the, in the drive-thru. It was horrible. I felt so bad. I wanted to chase him down in my minivan. <laughs> but I didn't. But in moments like that, I feel like tension and stress and thinking. And the more and more that that kind of gets stronger... I find myself in exasperation wanting to cry out to God in ways that I should not cry out to God. God is not a lucky charm for me. God is not a thing where he should do what I want him to do and since I'm trying to do so many good things in my life, I deserve for him to do good things back to me. That is not Christianity. Martha's example is small compared to so many of our issues. Her Anxiousness and trouble in this passage is small compared to so many things. We know that. Many of you are carrying much bigger worries than this. But God, through Luke, wrote this down for us so that you and I would see that we are undeserving. You do not talk to God in that way. We are are not to view God through life. This is a worldview uh, example that we have given many times, and I want to remind you of it again. When, when thinking of a lens, we are not to view God through the lens of life. If you've never heard this before, may you latch on to it. May you write this down. We are not to view God through life, through the lens of life. We aren't. We are to view life through God. God and his truth, his word, is the lens that you and I look out and see and observe and react to everything. This is the most critical matter of discipleship. You will unquestionably have a wrong and unhealthy view of God if you allow other things to inform you on him or if you put yourself at the center of everything. In this moment, which was a slip from Martha, Martha was not remembering here who she was in light of who God is. She was not remembering who Jesus was and therefore who she was. Her stress in this moment was distorting it, where she is definitely undeserving. Look back again at 40, the second half, and notice how she speaks Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. She means well, doesn't she? She does. Church, would you hear this morning that there is nobody that cares about Martha more than the one she's speaking to? Do you see that? And the next time you cry out, do you not care? May this passage shake you and you be strengthened in your soul. If there's anybody that cares, it's him. If there's anybody that knows, it's him. If there's anybody that will help that wrong prayer and help you, it's him. He helped her all right, didn't he? By not telling his sis- her sister. He cared for her, didn't he? By telling her you're neglecting the one thing. He cared for her and he helped her. Church, may you allow God to show you what it really means to be cared for. So often in these moments, and I hate this about young people, well, and about all people. So often in these moments, when we think God doesn't care and you're not helping, we run to something That we think cares and helps. That doesn't care and help. That's the truth. There are broken people everywhere. And they look to things that don't really care. And that don't really help. Jesus cares. And he will help you. You must recognize how undeserving we are. And in that position of being undeserving. See afresh. He loves us. He loves us. He is for us. He is a father. He sees, he knows. You can be distracted with much serving. We need to be reminded that we are definitely undeserving. And then, lastly, in our final two verses, we need to be devoted to the good portion. The terminology here used is not ideal, but I hope to break it down. Look at verse 41. But the Lord answered her, so her crying out to him. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You know, he says it twice to to, to create love and affection. Martha would sound like one loud response. Like, you're wrong, I'm right, let me tell you. But Martha, Martha shows his heart and the endearment here. And so she knows that he cares. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. The Bible makes this emphasis all the way through. And it does it here yet again. There are many things in life that matter. You need to get up and go to work tomorrow. You need to love your family today. There are lots of priorities in life. But there is one that is bigger than all others. There is one thing necessary and that is that you would learn from Jesus that is that you would look to him and believe that is that you would trust that in him there is forgiveness for your sins the other way he explains that is he says Mary has chosen the good portion the one thing necessary is for Jesus to be the good portion the portion that will not be taken away from her it is to have the one thing now, when I say that there is one thing and more important than everything else, depending on where you're at in life and what your priorities are and how much you're into, you, you will push back on that. And the aging commentator said, the longer we live in the world, the more true that this will appear, right? We heard that in war, The Bible is more important than bread, right? We hear that in prison, the Bible is ultra important to some people. The closer we are to death or the end of our lives, the more true that these words of Jesus will appear. Of course, they're true no matter what, but the more you feel that. There are people here today in the room that are hearing Jesus say, one thing is important and people will leave here today going, it's not that important to me. So, the longer we live and the further we get and the closer to the end of our lives we are, the more this rings out. And the the aging commentator says it. He says, The nearer we come to the grave, the more thoroughly we shall assent to this truth. On your last day, if you are mindful in that moment, you will feel deeply one thing is more important than everything else. It won't be your stuff, it won't be your golf score. It won't be whether the bikes are pumped up or not. It will be Jesus, the only one who died for you, the only one who reigns forever. Ryle says, the many things which men and women are continually struggling for are not really necessary. Ouch. The many things that you and I continually struggle for aren't necessary. The grace of God which brings salvation is the one thing needful. I remember years ago when Mr. Bob Samuels died. Many of you all remember him. He was a fantastic man. He was a rich blessing to our church and to my life. He died on Christmas Day, actually. And he was awake and alert and coherent, you know, uh, for a while on on his bed in his home. And you know, basketball season starts in November. Mr. Bob loved Kentucky basketball. His wife, Miss Ramey, did too, and she died uh, after him a few years. They watched every game. They didn't answer the phone if it rang during the game. They loved Kentucky basketball. Like many of you all. But in Mr. Bob's final year of life, I told you he died on Christmas Day, December 25th. I was over there in early December. And the way the college basketball schedule works is that early season, there's some really good games. And then middle, there's a bunch of not very good games. And then it picks up towards the end. So the beginning of college basketball, there's some really, really good games, okay? Like in a few months, North Carolina plays Kentucky. That's going to be a good one. I was over at Mr. Bob's house in early December. And every time I would go over there with them, we would talk about that first. It's normal. That's what we would do with anybody. But he was so close to passing away, just a few weeks, that in that moment, it just came over me, don't bring it up. He didn't watch it. He doesn't care anymore. Y'all, that shook me because I care so much about that. He was days away from seeing Jesus face to face. He didn't watch and he didn't care. And it would have been odd in that moment to bring it up. There is one thing necessary. There is a good portion in this life And it is Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Commentator says, time with Jesus is more important than preparing an elaborate meal for him. Like Martha was trying to do. The point is, Jesus is more important than what you do for Jesus. Jesus and knowing him and being close to him and learning from him is more important than all the things that you think you do because of him. We must have the good portion. Notice this. In this passage that's all about Martha, who's the great example? Mary. Mary's the point here. And did you notice She hasn't said a word. Is that a sermon in and of itself? Martha's doing all this stuff, and she's got a whole list of to-dos that she's got to get done today, and she's doing it all for God. Everything Martha's doing for God, she says a lot, she's got passion, there's spunk in her, she's going to tell you what she feels, she needs help, she's crying out to God. I mean, Martha's doing a lot, Martha's saying a lot, all in the name of Jesus. She's not right. In this passage, Mary hasn't said a word. She is the prime example from Jesus Himself of having a good portion. Remember, this is not about work ethic and it's not about laziness. Don't let your mind go there. This is about you prioritizing Jesus. One commentator says, Our Lord, we must remember, does not mean to say that Martha's occupation was wrong, but that for this time, Mary's occupation was better than Martha's. It's not that one's lazy and one works hard. It's not that one serves and one doesn't serve. It's that one understands, I've gotta be learning from Jesus. And in that moment, the other did not They neglected it. Just like the opening illustration of this message where I've been sent to the store to get one thing and I've returned home with many things except the one thing. I am reminded of that happening in my life or your lives or our lives on a much bigger level, a more serious level. I went to visit some years ago here in Fairdale, another person with fading health. And when I got there to their home, as they held tightly to a rosary, they asked me, Pastor, to which saint is it that I pray for my health? Her husband was a deacon. They had been in church for as long as you and I could remember. They had a lot of things right, they had a lot of religion, and they did not have the good portion. They did not understand that Jesus is what you need, all you need. He died for you. You can cry to him, pray to him, turn to him, and he will save your soul. He is the good portion. Church, may we not be distracted with much serving. May we be reminded that we are totally undeserving. And may we be devoted to the good portion. It is better to be a listening disciple of Jesus than to be an immaculate host like Martha. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this little passage and the reminder to our soul to focus on you. God, we confess that we are often distracted We confess our undeserving and unworthiness here. And Father, we ask today that your Holy Spirit would re-empower and unite and, and, and focus us on faith in Christ as our Savior. That we would say, hey, we don't have everything right, but we have Christ. Oh, Father, we pray that you would work that in us. God, help us to not get upset today about much serving. Dear God, help us not get upset today about work ethic. Instead, may we be empowered to say our work ethic comes from us sitting at the feet of Jesus. It is because of our faith in Christ and because of our Lord and Savior and because of the worth and the glory of God that we want to serve. And so we regularly and consistently look to you. God, make us people strengthened by the truth. Make us believers and followers of Jesus, those that treasure the good portion, those that understand that one thing is necessary. Thank you for our time this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.